Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, February 17th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who chooses to join us, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on their website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness and get access to a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. You can also stay right there on the website and download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it absolutely free over and over and over again. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows like this one where people have been stepped through that worksheet process. And if you choose to listen to those, sometimes repeatedly, they can serve as a tutorial to help you get the maximum benefits from this tool in the shortest period of time. We hope people do all of that soon and often because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they do that. And secondarily, because it tends to promote comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we hope you do so. You can call in directly at 563-999-3581. 
you can call that number and press 1. If you do that, it will put a little icon of a hand by your phone number, and I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. Alternatively, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if you send us a comment, a question, an answer, or a testimonial, we will address those on the Internet show and then, as time allows, send you a notice about what day and time it was addressed so you can go back in the archives and listen for the feedback. And we are grateful to everyone who chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be of service. And to that end, toward that end, we have been doing this Internet show for 12 years now, a little over 12 years. We did the first eight years one hour a day, five days a week, and for the last four, it's been two hours a day, five days a week. And the archives are available through the whyagain.org um, website. If you go to that web page and click on the picture of a microphone, it will give you access to the last 12 years of archives. You can also go to the mindshiftersacademy.org website and get access to selected files, highlight shows, etc., an abbreviated version of this worksheet process that is what I call the mental short version. It's what I use to introduce patients to this in my private practice. And that's there to download as a PDF file, absolutely free. It's also uh, on that same page in the educational materials page on that website is the forgiveness pattern that I use, both in an audio recorded version and the PDF that you can download and read for yourself. Also on that page are all of the information you would need or anybody else would need to join us for our free support groups that happen on Tuesday and Thursdays from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time. And those groups are something I've been donating my time to for almost 19 years now, 18 and a half years on the Tuesday night group and probably 10 years on the uh, Thursday night group. Um, and the reason for all of that donating of my time and effort is because these tools have been that beneficial in my life. And if they can help somebody else as much as they've helped me, it's worth the time and effort. So, our call-in number again, 563-999-3581. Press, call that number and press 1, and we can have a conversation. Let us know what would be of use to you, how to spend today. Last night we were in the support group and chose to listen to some, some of the uh, audio of Guy Finley reading from uh, a book well, it's about 20 years old now. But it's a book that he wrote that he says comes from his own inner personal struggle and journey, that he he began writing it at a time when he was 
at one of the lowest points he can remember in his spiritual career. And uh, that book is titled Apprentice of the Heart. And it's a series of short essays. And he recently released the uh, audio version of that. For a mere $10, you can get the audio file of him reading his own book. And um, and when he's talking about the heart, he's talking about love of love itself. He's talking about establishing a relationship with your higher power, the creator itself, and he's talking about the pursuit of love as your passion to know your true nature and to to know deeper and deeper levels who or what it was that created you. And so even though some parts of it may read like a love story, it's not about a love story with another person. It's about the ultimate pursuit of connection to source and self which pretty much all of Guy Finley's work is about. So just in case anybody's interested, it's uh it, it's quite interesting. I think I think Audible these days when people are purchasing an Audible book through audible.com, I think they're $15 per book or per credit. Of course, some of the books are even more expensive, depending upon the author. But if you go to GuyFinley.org and search for this book, he's got a new offering out for only 10 bucks to get the audio download. And you could save yourself the money if you were so inclined and just join us for some of these upcoming Tuesday and Thursday support groups. And you might hear some of it there and decide from that whether or not you want to read the rest of the book or hear it read to you in his own voice so again our call in number is 563-999-3581 and if you call that number and press 1 we can have a conversation you can let us know what you would like to do how you would like to spend more of today's show or time together maybe it's not a show I'm uh, I'm pulling up the app for the reality management worksheet on my iPad which I haven't done in quite a while to see how that will work and function I do most of these on my iPhone and so I'll do a worksheet today on um, fear. I'll say the uh, upset level is probably a five. It's kind of hovering. I mean, there are times when I think, oh, I don't really need to do a worksheet on this, and other times where I think, gee, I keep thinking about this. I wonder if if there's something stuck in me about this. 
So I'm the subject here, I, Tim, who in love am experiencing the emotion of fear. And the, the app reminds me to use a separate worksheet for each emotion. Reminds me that hostility and fear are from internal corrupt data and indicate my use of sustained incoherence to build this disturbing construct. And my story or my reality is that I need uh, assistance in evaluating my knee. say my knee pain and then the thought that I'm using to generate the fear is um, and, and the worksheet reminds me to take a breath and soften and to use a separate worksheet for each thought and each emotion and the thought here is um I could have complications as my father did. So I'm just typing that in. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm the the trigger here, so the the next step in 1E is to say, what are my punishment thoughts? And I'm just going to put here obsessing about this because I don't really have any direct punishment thoughts for myself. And then the worksheet asks me to release and surrender myself, my emotion of fear, myself as the trigger, the reality that I need assistance in evaluating my knee pain, my negative thought that I could have complications as my father did, my pattern of obsessing, a recurring negative thought, and I'm going to cancel my need to be right, and I'm going to cancel my need to make up another story out of these brain cells, out of this content of, of my mind and my memory of life with my father, etc., and, you know, stories I've heard throughout my life and even recently of people who've had bad experiences with medical procedures and surgeries and things. And I'm going to cancel my need to make up another story out of all of that to hallucinate proof that my fear and my hostility-based story, that my reality is true. And then I hit next on the app and it asks me to choose to love truth or honor truth above all else and to willingly face and process out all disease-producing energies for and from my current relationships and all my generations. And it asks me to be willing to go through the physical, the mental, and the emotional symptoms of healing. And I'm agreeing to that and taking a breath with each of those. And... The next page brings me to step three. My desire, the constructive result, the exact goal that drives my pain perception is that I, and this is a bit tricky, so I've got myself 
and my thought is I could have complications like my father did. And so what's the goal that I would need to generate to eliminate the need for assistance evaluating my knee pain, the emotion of fear that's being generated by the thought I could have complications. And so I think on this worksheet I'm going to put my goal is for my knee to be strong, flexible, healthy and comfortable. So that's the goal I'm choosing for this worksheet. I have a, a feeling that you know, on future worksheets, uh, I will shift the goal over to the kind of thing that might be, you know, um, a successful, easy treatment and resolution of the pain, et cetera. But for now, the goal I'm choosing for this worksheet is simply for my knee to be strong, flexible, healthy, and comfortable. And if that were to happen, there would be no need for this worksheet at any level. The next step is step four. It asks me to choose my essence, which stirs the love in everyone involved. My essence is love. Choose. In this case, when I read these, I say, I'm choosing to remind myself to focus on my true nature as love. And whenever I do that, that strengthens the vibration of the energy of love radiating out from me, and that resonates the love in everyone involved. So I'm doing that, and I'm breathing and softening and putting my hand over my heart space and reminding myself of some of the most strong, happy, safe, peaceful, joyful memories I have. And I'm going to choose one And just breathe into that until I feel that energy shift in my heart space. And that was pretty easy. And then I moved to step five. Step five is when I'm upset, my perception is built out of corrupt data. And the thing that drives my mind to use that particular data in this case is my goal for my knee to be strong, flexible, healthy, and comfortable. And this perception is a limiting and limited picture constructed from a maximum of nine bits of data out of 10,000 brain cells firing. During a period of time, there's probably over 20 trillion bits of data hitting my senses. So it's silly for me to think I know what's going on and I'm right. So here's, here's the, the food for my conscious logical mind to buy in a little bit more to canceling the thought that I'm right about this and canceling my need to be right. And then it says, by canceling my goal, 
my replicate mind, that part of my mind that Guy Finley would call the mechanical level of mind that just does what it's programmed to do, that part of my mind's reality collapses, and it will help give me direct contact with whatever's been denied and hidden from me in my memory, in my carbon-based memory in the brain. Because the brain, that part of my mind that just can record things that's poured into it and spit them back out, it's been programmed to project and blame others for its content. So I'm going to choose to keep love conscious, active, and present. And I'm going to choose to collapse my mind's lies with a nice deep breath and a slow exhale by canceling my goal for my need to feel strong, flexible, healthy, and comfortable. And I'm going to invite Ruka to incline me toward healing, to restore me to my newborn essence, to heal my denial, and heal my capacity to generate fear. Now, in this case, it doesn't matter that you invite Ruka or Holy Spirit or God or light or love or your unconscious or your great-grandmother. What matters is that you understand that when you ask to be shown, you're putting the conscious logical mind aside temporarily. And so choose to ask for outside assistance. And by outside, I don't necessarily mean outside of yourself. I mean outside of your conscious logical mind. And I'm asking for help to incline me toward healing, to restore my awareness to my newborn essence as love, to heal my denial, and to heal my capacity to generate fear, and to help me open a direct conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied, dissociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. And then I do that forgiveness pattern. I put my hand over my heart space and close my eyes, and I breathe and soften and continually repeat. I cancel my need to be right, I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically put my conscious logical mind on the shelf for now. I cancel my goal in this particular worksheet, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually generating the fear in this worksheet. And I soften and allow, I put myself in the most open, allowing space I can, remembering that loving memory, remembering my true nature as love, bringing that strong, peaceful, joyful energy into the moment, and canceling my need to be right, canceling my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself and my knee. putting my conscious logical mind on the shelf for now and simply asking to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And I just breathe and I soften. And I flashed on a memory of my early high school years 
So I will make a note of that. Just take a breath and scan my body. the only word to put in here is calmer. In the situation um, in 1A, I see a high school incident with, uh, I'll just put an allergic reaction to a medical treatment. And then I will make a quick note here. And then I will say, I'm going to ask to be shown a time when I've not fulfilled the goal just in general, to do what it would take for me to be happy, strong, flexible, healthy, and comfortable. Breathe and soften. There's about the third yawn since I started the release, so I'm moving some energy. And step seven says, I'm going to choose truth and perfect love and remind myself that the way this universe works is that by giving something I first have to possess it and I get the original so I'm going to talk to my knee I'm going to talk to my life and myself in this situation and say I'm grateful for the opportunity to heal I'm going to choose truth and perfect love and based on this I'm going to put I'm going to set the the loving goal for myself to do an EFT tapping session on the pain, on the pain and fear, and another worksheet on this memory from high school. I'm going to say I commit to love, to living a human life. I'm going to cancel, a mass canceling of all the times I've ever wanted somebody to be strong, flexible, healthy, comfortable, or help me do that in my life. And I'm going to put my own initials there. And I'm going to put the... uh, doctor from the uh, high school situation and I'm going to put my father in that his initials there so I'm just going to breathe and soften and cancel a mass canceling of all the times I've ever wanted that from somebody or their help in me staying healthy strong and flexible 
and I'd take a breath, and I'd scan my body, and I would rate the upset levels probably down to a 2. So I'll call that a successful worksheet. And I'd love to hit the next button and send that to myself, but that's not happening. So I will just remember this. So our call-in number is 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1. You'll be able to have a conversation, comments or questions about the worksheet I just did or the worksheet process itself. What does that stir up for you? I had the... uh, the memory come up of having to go to the doctor for something that was rather uh, uncomfortable and unpleasant and the doctor said well we need to give you this shot I don't know whether it was an antibiotic or whatever and um, my parents were very much into allopathic medical health and so the doctor says this is what you need and that's what you get so you get a shot and um the the negative reaction i had was it's hard to imagine something aside from you know maybe your leg falling off it's hard to imagine having a negative reaction to a medication or a shot or an antibiotic whatever the heck this was that would be worse for a 15 or 16 year old teenage boy because I got up in the middle of the night to go use the bathroom and there was a swelling in in, in a real kind of a malformed way on the side of my penis when I was trying to go to the bathroom and I, you know, I was just screaming it was just like it was this horrible 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 thing and that's the the memory that came to me when I canceled the goal in this worksheet for my knee to feel safe, flexible, strong, and healthy. So I've got some, you know, trauma energy in my life around medical interventions that go awry. And I have this specific memory of of my parents trying to comfort me and calm me down and call the doctor and the doctor says oh that's an allergic reaction to what we gave him he just needs this other shot and i thought this has got to be the most insane thing i've ever heard you give me something and it causes this horrible painful reaction and then you want to give me something else why would i let you stick my body with anything else so that's the worksheet i will do on follow-up for this And I think, you know, there were a couple other incidents that flashed into my mind, and I'm going to make some notes about that. The app is not letting me send this completed worksheet, so I'll try and leave it open on my iPad until I can make some notes about it. But I'm also going to make notes about I saw a flash of a couple other incidents 
where there was physical, you know, injury to my brother and my sister, but they don't include this negative medical intervention or this negative responsibility, um, a negative um, reaction to a medical intervention. So I'm not sure why that's relevant, but I will just make notes about it, and I'll just put here the one incident where my brother was injured. And time when my sister was injured. And I will be willing to either do worksheets on that if that comes up as a as a thought uh, or do EFT tapping around that because the the one injury with my brother was rather gruesome in terms of um where it was located in his body and the uh, blood and you know the the injury that needed stitches etc so that's all of that is in me and when i think about okay i'm going to be going to a doctor and they may want to do an injection or they may want to do um a knee surgery and they may so when i think about that and i do this worksheet on that on the, the knee pain i'm having and the difficulty i'm having walking these days all of that comes up. So I would rather be able to respond to the situation in my body today and interact with the medical doctors from my adult, competent, safe, balanced, intelligent perspective rather than from my terrified 15-year-old self or 12-year-old self. And that's why I do these worksheets, and that's why I do the tapping, so that I can get centered in the moment, feel comfortably grounded in the fact that I'm a competent adult, I will do my due diligence in terms of research and getting a second opinion before letting somebody you know, do a procedure on my body. I don't need the panic. I don't need the fear. I don't need the teeth grinding. I don't need the trauma memories to come in or get resonated and strongly influence my decision about my health care and my treatment for knee pain, etc. So 563-999-3581. Comments, questions, questions about that worksheet, questions about anything I just mentioned or shared, or anything else we've talked about in the past 12 years. How can we support you? What's on your mind? What what will it take for me to stay more loving in the face of physical discomfort, impatience, irritation, fatigue, 
that's what I'm after when I do worksheets. I want to restore my awareness to my my perfect safety, to the adverse effects of rushing or being in a negative mental emotional state, and I want to return myself as soon as possible to the most calm, loving, balanced state I can before I sit and spin with my thoughts or I speak out of irritation or upset to someone or I take an action. That's that's my goal. And, and it's always... It may not always be top of mind, but whenever I slow down and do an assessment about what I want, that's where I land. I know the benefit of feeling calm, being able to rest in my perfect safety, understanding the panic that gets generated as being something that is Number one, a lie or based in a falsehood. Number two, it's an old tape playing from my mind. It's not about my current life situation. When I have a negative thought or a negative emotion, it is not about what my mind is telling me it's about. And I know this from deep spiritual teachings from a variety of different angles. Course in Miracles says, I'm never upset for the reason I think I am. Bottom line observations say, one of them says, if I have a negative thought about myself or somebody else or a negative emotion active in my mind, I can instantly know three things. Number one, it's a liar based in a falsehood. Number two, it's an old tape playing. It's not about the current life situation that my mind is trying to convince me that it's about. And the third thing I can know instantly is if I sit and spin in those negative thoughts or I let myself act from them or speak from them, I'm just going to make my life situation worse. I can't possibly make my life situation better by acting from that negative thought or emotion. Basically, uh, pouring negative energy into my life in the moment. So when I have fear come up, when I think about going to a medical doctor to get assistance with my knee pain, I can instantly know this is an old tape playing. This is not based in the absolute truth of who I am or what's actually going on in the moment today. And I cannot benefit, I won't make good decisions for myself or the people I care most about if I act from that fear. Now, if I let the fear wake me up to the fact something's off the mark and I start using tools to get my thoughts and perceptions back in alignment with the truth of, of what is in the world and in life, I might very well benefit from the fact that fear came up. However, I only benefit 
from the fact that fear comes up if I use it as the warning sign, as the alarm system that it is most beneficial for me to use it as. If I use it to convince myself that I'm in danger and the world is a dangerous place and doom and gloom is about to hit and or in this case that you know all medical procedures are bogus etc I will not enjoy the results my life will not improve but if I use it as an alarm to tell me oh Tim you have fear up you must be using a tiny bit of of the data hitting your senses. You must have an old trauma memory getting resonated. You must be either using the wrong few bits of information out of the 20 trillion bits that are available in this moment and the 10,000 that your brain is using, or you're right on target with what you're focusing on, but you're being influenced by past trauma and false beliefs to apply a negative interpretation to the things you're focusing on. And if I do that, if I awaken to the fact of my creating the negative energy and the distorting factor that it presents in my life, I can make a course correction. And I am far more likely to be happy with the results than if I act as though my fear is telling me that I know what's right. I love the way Guy Finley talks about it in relation to anger. He says, in our culture, we are trained to believe that the more angry we are, the more we know we are right and the people around us are wrong. And he says, quite clearly, my anger doesn't prove I'm right. My anger only proves I don't know what rightness is. And this goes to the core of how this work is so useful for me because even with my doctorate in clinical psychology, I was trained to ask people, how did it make you feel when this happened? How did she make you feel when she did that? So our culture and even various large parts of our psychological training want us to believe that people and things outside of us cause our emotions and that we are victims of other people's choices and of the flow of life of creative energy that we call life and life circumstances. And I I don't really have any words for how liberating it's been for me to realize that's not the way it works. I can be in some of the most intense and commonly interpreted as negative life situations and choose an interpretation that puts me at peace. That puts me in a position to learn and grow. That puts me in a position to be one of the bright lights in that moment. 
to my for myself and others where I bring a conscious active awareness of love and compassion and gratitude into that moment and dramatically change my experience of the moment by doing so. And if there's anything we can do to assist you or anybody you know in making that happen more consistently, more frequently in their life, that would be wonderful. That's why we're here. That's why we do the Internet show. That's why we have the support groups. That's why the tools are made available absolutely free at whyagain.org and mindshiftersacademy.org. Let us know how we can support you. 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1. Ask a question about the worksheet I just did earlier in the show or give some feedback on that. Maybe you, in listening to that, you, you, you were thinking, oh, you know, if this were me, I would have put this in that slot or chosen a different goal or... done something different with that memory from high school. That's one of the benefits of doing this work in the communal setting is that we feed on each other. We resonate things for each other, which can be highly beneficial. It can be enlightening. It's like shining a flashlight into an area that I wasn't even aware was important. When somebody, you know, makes a comment about a worksheet that's been done and or a uh, targeted journaling, a mind shifter that's been done, it can often bring awareness to a part of my mind because, you know, we're all human and we all have similar dynamics whether we want to believe it or not and so comments and questions or reactions can be very beneficial so what did you hear as I stepped through that worksheet Five six three nine nine nine. Three five eight one. I believe this is Celinda. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for your worksheet. Um, I'm amazed at how many conclusions that I have come to seem to be fairly similar to yours. And um, I decided a long time ago that... If I needed a um, medical intervention, I would definitely go get it, and that I would be the one who decided that, not someone else, and um, that it is a balance between inner and outer authority or autonomy uh, in relation to my doing my very best to take care of myself 
so that I may take care of my community, my world, to the best of my ability. And um, what has dissolved down to with the worksheets and the um, my asking for guidance and my willingness to give up being right other than doing what I feel is right for me uh, within a given context or a situation, that um, what I have distilled it down to is basically a primary fear of being controlled. And (laughs) I laugh because of all the ways I can be controlling. And so I just wanted to share with you thanks for clarification on so many areas. Um, So you were saying that what is it that boils down to a primary fear of being being controlled? And I know that's old stuff, so I work with it. Um, But but what is it that boils down to that? Being being controlled is uh, things like being forced to do what goes against my sense of what's right for me. Yeah, that's what that is. And I know where it stems from when I get into a place of feeling like that. It comes from my fear of my early upbringing and what that, how I interpreted that to be. So I just wanted to thank everyone, uh, you and all of us on the, in the family <laughs> who are doing our work and helping me get clarity as to all of those issues and uh, working through them and coming down to a basic issue of personal autonomy and the the rightness for me of determining for myself how I am going to live my life. So I'm hearing things like... um, Learning to trust your intuition or your gut feeling about exactly. something and exactly. and acting on it. Yes. And, and there are a lot of words so, around it that I'm I'm having difficulty trying to stay with you, but but I think what it boils down to is what many of us have difficulty with is trusting our gut, trusting our intuition. Especially right. when someone in authority wants to tell us something different. You know, I, I I talk about this because while I have many memories of people telling me, Oh, I had I had this gut feeling and I knew I should do this but I didn't and I'm so sorry I didn't go with my gut. I have many memories of that in my professional life and in my personal life, that people had an intuition, they had a strong feeling, and they didn't follow it. And then they're upset and they're unhappy with the results. I don't ever have a memory of somebody saying, you know, I had this strong intuition and I followed it and I wish I hadn't. That's right. Exactly, bingo. And allowing the outer authority because of my fear of either being harmed 
or abandoned or whatever, allowing that outer authority, whoever or whatever it may seem to be in that moment, to run to drive my bus. Okay, but right. they aren't the, driving our bus. That's that's the point, right? right? They right. aren't right. driving our bus. Right. We that comes from my make fear. the decision. We make the decision to go along with their judgment rather than stick with our own. Exactly. I mean, you used a word like autonomy before. Right. So in in any area where you actually have autonomy and the ability to make your own choice, and you don't follow your own intuition, that's worth a whole raft of worksheets and EFT tapping sessions. Right, and I've got a few lined up right now. Subject, <laughs> but I and at the same time, I just wanted to affirm for you how the clarity that's happening from listening to these shows and from doing my work um, is is eliminating so many of my fears that I realized were bogus, are bogus. You are breaking up. I am having difficulty hearing your words. Right. Hopefully strengthening my psychological um, health, and I'm very grateful. Okay. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the input. I'm glad you're finding it helpful. Blessings. Is this Magda? Yes, Magda. Um, I know we just have a few minutes, and I wanted to report. I think I talked to you uh, on Valentine's Day, yes, and you, you and I did some unveiling of memories that will have made for some good worksheets and will make for some more. What I want to share right now is that my skin actually started, I don't know if you remember, I was having itchy uh, rash stuff going on in my face. And that started to actually clear up that day, even though I didn't do any of that work because I knew I wouldn't be doing it the next day with my birthday. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to be gone, blah, blah. And so even though I didn't actually pen to paper, just the fact that my mind became aware that I was now knowing that something was going on that I needed to attend to because my skin was being the barometer for my emotions, it started to clear up. I was so amazed. So I wanted to report that. And then on Monday, perhaps, I will be able to report some of the the results of the worksheets I've been doing and will do before Monday. That's it. It's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. I'm glad glad you were uh, experiencing that. I had the same kind of of an experience with the hip pain. Even though I hadn't gotten any deep insights, it... It was, you know, 90% gone by the time I hit 10 or 11 o'clock on Monday. And um, just my willingness mm-hmm. 
to, as you say, use the physical sensations or discomfort or pain as a barometer, yeah. you know, as the as the indication that there's something mentally, emotionally off, and I will tune into it, and I will be willing to see it and feel it. Sometimes mm-hmm. that in itself has a nearly magical impact. It did seem magical, honest. <laughs> Um, and, and I really got that from listening to your worksheet today. Thank you for doing that. That the part um, about um, taking, asking Ruka to help me to be able to um, see, hear, whatever I need to at this point, just being quiet for a while and being receptive. That has become such an important part of the worksheet for me as it was for you today. You got that flashback about your high school situation, and, and I've had several of those since I've started to utilize that portion of the worksheet with more patience, I will say, no more patience, giving my, my, sub, my unconscious time to bubble up a little bit. Yeah, so that's very cool, and you demonstrated that beautifully today. Thank you. As in, as in, um, you're referring to maybe reading the forgiveness pattern and doing a little meditation rather than just racing through the worksheet. Absolutely, I wish the forgiveness yeah. pattern was part of the worksheet. I really wish it was part of, but I do my best to remember it and and bring it in and say it to myself. Yeah, it it really extends the possibilities there very very much going deeper. I thank you for developing that. Well, you know, it's it's really uh, it's really just a combination of things I've heard other people say over the years, including Julie Haverstick and Michael and Jeannie, and you know, it's from you know four visits mm-hmm. to Heartland and twelve years on the radio show, and it's. It isn't that I developed it. It was that I would take a piece from here and take a piece from there and add in some of the stuff that I learned in doing the uh, EMDR trauma work and the NET trauma work. So it's -hmm. just kind of a combination of various things that really, really good experts in the worksheet process over the years have put out there. And uh, it's kind of interesting because I don't hear them do it anymore, but I got it from them originally. So, oh, yeah, that is interesting. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> um, who knows why that might be? I'm glad that you passed it along, and and now I'm right. finally doing well. It. I I appreciate that. Thank you for the comment. I will mute you so you can listen into the second half. And uh, I thank you for the call. Blessings. And um, I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will hope that within moments we'll have either Michael and or Jeannie Rice on the call to take over.
Michael, are you there? If you are, you're muted. I don't have any genie on the switchboard. I am here, Tim, and Jeannie's got a problem getting online for a couple of minutes, so I'm going to just rock and roll. Take it away. All right. Have a blessed one. Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to MindShifters Radio Part 2. Thank you, Dr. Tim, for the awesome support that you give to people as we carry this message of first century Aramaic forgiveness on down the road. Ultimately, with vision of making it available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. Today is February the 17th, and we're halfway through the month of February already. Interesting how fast the time is flying. And, of course, our objective here is to make the tools, in particular, of first century Aramaic forgiveness available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And we appreciate the fact that you're here to be part of that conversation. We've been talking about this amazing tool called forgiveness for, well, 12 years now. And appreciate the fact that you choose to lend your ears as we move this message down the road. We've been talking about this kind of the the flow of how pain and trauma, fear, hostility, when repeated through our perceptual systems, can leave us in a state where that trauma repeats itself in a way that it looks like it's a current moment experience. So the mind, when it comes to re-experiencing trauma, doesn't recognize time. No matter how long ago the trauma occurred, and research is showing even generational assaults are included, the nervous system will replay those energetic patterns when any event or stimulus is there, something as simple as a thought resonates them into activity. And when unresolved trauma is resonated into activity, especially if one has lives in a state of unwillingness to look inside and take responsibility for that, then the mind will tend to create pictures according to the way it's instructed to show us that trauma. And so if there's an unresolved trauma within me and I want to blame whoever I'm looking at today, then my mind will literally make up a picture based upon its internal set and the content that's resonated that will bring about a mind that shows us that what's going on inside of us is caused by something outside of us. And we've referred to that as the, uh, the one world religion of blame. And when we live in blame, then the mind has to back up our instructions and show us that what's moving inside of us is attached or connected to something outside of us, and therefore we can play the blame game. So depending on the, the inputs and defaults underlying 
the action of the mind, the unconscious attitudes that are based in trauma and insecurity, if, if we just play them out repeatedly without ever interrupting the cycle and going inside to look at the root of it, then those energetic patterns become may make life a struggle. You know, relationships become a struggle, health becomes a challenge, and the projection of unresolved pain interferes with, at that point, with everything that one touches. You know, it's kind of like the, the reverse of the Midas touch idea. And, of course, it's important to realize that all of these dynamics are healable. So recognizing that perception is a construct of the mind and that those constructs are reflective of the content of the mind. However, if the mind is directed to show us that somebody or something else is the reason for it, then the underlying truth of what's going on inside will be turned into pictures of something on the outside. Now, there's a dynamic we've identified in our codependence, the interdependence work that we call the power person dynamic. It's usually apparent, though not always. And if in our experience, and again, it's usually apparent in a child, the child being the object of the situation and the parent being the, the power person. And if that power person inflicts trauma, on a child, the moment that trauma is moving between the parent and the child, if the, the parent, obviously if they're inflicting something on the child, is not functioning out of love, and that parent has more power over the child's life, at least in the child's mind, than the child has themselves, and the child perceives the situation as survival, then what happens is the child's energy field opens and simply, literally on an energetic level, becomes like a sponge and absorbs all of the energetic dynamics within the environment. And these unresolved parental and general relation, generational relationship issues are, they're almost invariably at the root of this controlling power person abuse dynamic. If you've ever said to yourself, you know, I'm never going to be like them, and then find yourself repeating those behaviors, those attitudes that you hated most, sometimes right down to the, the exact same word patterns. If one functions without realizing what's moving inside themselves because the root of it's kept closed, one functions out of unconscious dynamics. And at that point, one perceives life, especially when they're under stress, both unwittingly and unwillingly, through the lens of the power person, the abuser. And the crop content of memories from the past are weaved into perceptions of the moment. So one, you know, and of course the title of my book, the, the root of that, uh, 
or the, the way that people often express that is, why is this happening to me again? Why is every situation the same? I mean, is, are all people like this? And few ever wake up to and recognize that the why is this happening to me again component of a traumatic event is coming from those repeated patterns of unresolved memories. You know, the Asians cautioned, look to the lives of the fathers, and of course by implication the mothers, for ours is but a shadow of theirs upon the earth. They also informed us that there's a rather poorly understood problem with the human mind, and the way they spoke of it was, we see as though through a glass darkly. It's interesting to note that the root of the word translated as darkly in the Greek texts translate as an enigma, something mysterious, puzzling, or difficult to understand. And so when the mind is basing its constructs on an unresolved internal dynamic and has the ability to take that dynamic and massage it in such a way so that it looks like a current moment event, one stuck in enigma, something that's mysterious, puzzling, and difficult to understand. We see us throw through a glass darkly and we work through those enigmas with forgiveness. It becomes the key. And when you have the brain cells for it, then you recognize that 2,000 years ago, they understood the dynamics, convoluted the mind can become when it's functioning out of the traumatized human mind, body, nervous system. If one has not been taught or were falsely taught that perception, the output of the human mind-body system, is literally just that, if they haven't been taught what emotions and traumas do to distort the mind's output, Difficulty is sure to follow, and the word enigma appropriately describes what it takes to move through deep healing on one's own. Of course, many will proclaim, but, but I'm smarter than that. Alfred, it doesn't matter how smart you are. With a no, without a knowledge of the source of your perceptions, even of what perception is or how to correct it, and the trauma contained at the root of ongoing experiences. Yeah, the output of the mind, body, nervous system is truly a mysterious, puzzling, and difficult thing to understand. And some of it's downright shocking when you first learn it, when you first start to comprehend it. And many would say, oh, no, that's just silly. That's not possible when they first start to confront the truth of what's going on in their own minds.
there are several things that have been hidden from us about this mysterious enigma called perception. The glass that Paul said we see through darkly. And they're simply urgent to understand if you're going to clean up your life and free yourself from that victimhood and blame game. You know, we've been working with bringing this information forward on perception for decades and offering it to people. A couple of years ago, we came across a piece of research from the CIA that just verifies this shocking but true understanding of the mind. And you can download, there's actually a link on our website where you can download the CIA's book on the study of intelligence. In the chapter on perception where they're, they're working to get the best perceptual data out of people's minds, out of their, their agents' minds. And so they come to the conclusion, and as I say, you can download the book and read it for yourself, perception is demonstrably an active rather than a passive process. It constructs rather than records reality. Perception is a process of inference in which people construct their own version of reality on the basis of information provided through the five senses. For the average person who's rolled along in life as the average person does today, to recognize that my mind, based on its content, literally constructs the world that I see. Perception, including sensations in the body, are autobiographical. This is another important point to understand about perception. The the thing that perception, the constructs of the mind, tell us first and foremost is about the content of the mind. It may be massaged into a picture of hair or your bill or Mary or Hortense, but it's and it it may give you accurate information about them. And it may not, but it will always give you accurate information about the content of your own mind. So once again, perception is a mental construct generated by the body-mind nervous system. There's a really interesting video, if you look it up, on YouTube by a gentleman named Anil Seth. It's a TED Talk, so if you just put in your search engine in in YouTube, Anil, A-N-I-L, Seth, S-E-T-H, TED Talk. He's a professor of cognitive and computational neuroscience at the University of Sussex in England, and he explains... Quote, one of the statements he makes is the whole world we, and I'll put the word think in there, we think we see is an hallucination, unique to each person. And then he goes on to say is when we agree on our shared hallucinations, we call it reality. Powerful insight. So 
now we realize that there are two worlds going on here. There's the, the world of actuality, actually occurs in the energy system, and then reality is this construct of the mind get, that gives meaning to our actuality. Some other interesting research from the Jonas Salk Institute for Biological Studies. And one of the things they say is we, we live in the past and our brain makes up for it. They've measured the mind in the act of generating perception and realizing a perception. And here's what they say. There's a delay of 70 thousandths of a second from the time our eyes receive information to the time our brain completes its generating of our reality. So, again, what kind of things do we need to know about perception in order to put it in its proper place? It takes time for the body-mind to convert actuality, the data that it receives, into pictures or what we call perception. So by definition, in order for perception to be generated, it's showing us something from the past. Dr. Bruce Lipton, a cell biologist, gives us a, some insight into the power of perception relative to our physical structures. Quote, he says, the moment you change your perception is the moment you rewrite the chemistry of your body-mind unit. The moment you change your perception, and, you know, this magnificent tool that came out of the first century Aramaic language 2,000 years ago shows exactly how to collapse perception, and each time you do according to Bruce Lipton as a cell biologist, what you're doing is you're changing, you're rewriting the literal, on the level where we believe in chemistry, the literal chemistry of your body. Critics thousands of years ago said we become mad and delirious and fears and terrors assail us. All these things we endure from the brain, or we might say the mind, perception, constructed out of unresolved trauma, has us living in a world that exists in one place and one place only, and that's between our ears. So these energetic patterns and responses to trauma are passed from generation to generation. Once again, you know, go back to this statement in the ancient scriptures. Look to the lives of the fathers, for ours have been a shadow of theirs upon the earth. So this primo technology that was developed 2,000 years ago, with which one can collapse perception and directly expose the underlying dynamics, the underlying unresolved trauma to the healing forces, of love. That's what forgiveness does. Now, sadly, the technology 
of forgiveness at its root has been totally mistranslated and destroyed by our modern culture. The world tells us we need to forgive. I need to let you off the hook for what's going on inside of me. So my mind is telling me a story about something that's inside of me, and somebody comes along and says, yeah, and you need to forgive Bill for that. So I let Bill off the hook because my mind is playing out a why is this happening to me again experience inside of me, telling me about myself. But since I'm in denial, I've massaged that picture into a picture of Bill, and I pretend and I think that it's actually Bill's fault. In the Aramaic, you would never have been told to forgive Bill because he's your object of attention and you're in trauma. I say it's interesting, there are two words that are missing in the translations of the scriptures where it says, forgive your brother. It doesn't say that. In Aramaic, it says, forgive as to your brother. So if I'm interacting with Bill, and Bill provides the stimulus, the resonance for an old trauma in me, and my mind produces a pained experience out of that, and, you know, shy of Bill coming up, cancel a thought and punching me in the nose, pain or trauma in me. But he can sure do something that would resonate it in me. And so should I forgive Bill for that? Would it make sense? Is that going to resolve the trauma that my mind uses repeatedly to create my why is this happening to me again experiences because I let everybody in the world off the hook for it? And silly. Properly understood, what the average person means by the word forgiveness is actually the Greek concept of pardoning, to let another off the hook. For what's showing up as pain perception in my own mind. And, you know, if we believe that, we've been instructed in a fraud. Actual first century Aramaic forgiveness is how one can reliably consistently and persistently remove disintegrative content from within and recognizing that when you do that, as Bruce Lipton says, you're changing your chemistry. Every diseased perceptual construct of the mind is reflective of diseased chemistry and tissue. And when you start removing those diseased energetic patterns, guess what? The stress and the load is removed from tissue and healing starts to occur. And if one understands that, starts to understand the nature of perception, and then consistently and persistently removes the disintegrative content from within, using forgiveness, going within, rather than letting them off the hook, I need to forgive as to what that person brought up in me. I need to go inside myself and remove that energetic pattern of pain or trauma that's been unresolved perhaps for 100 generations in my bloodline. This is a reliable way to change physiology, to heal trauma, to rewrite genes, and change the content of the body-mind, and literally change what's passed on to future generations. Now, the relative ease of changing the body-mind's content is quite surprising once one has the brain cells to recognize and use the technology. Henry David Thoreau brilliantly observed of perception. 
It is not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. That is what you perceive. Since all perception, all appearances in the mind come from within, pained perception is always a projection. And projection is not the act, as, as our culture generally teaches, is not the act of taking something that's inside of us and putting it outside of us. Perception is the act of taking internal content, making a whole world of perception, a whole world of pictures out of it, massaging it into a picture where I can believe that it's somebody outside that's the cause of it. And this, so pain perception is always a projection. You remember the ancient warning, do not judge by appearances. All perception is an appearance. Think about without any of the other evidence, just think about the fact that the mind is showing you something 70 thousandths of a second after it is experienced. So that what we think we're looking at out there when we you know, think we're looking through our eyes as a fact is actually a construct of our minds. And once again, the ancient word, do not judge by appearances, all perception is an appearance. It's a reflection of data stored in and impacting the mind-body nervous systems. When all energies that we hold within us, physical, emotional, mental, genetic, are firmly grounded in truth, the accuracy of our internal guidance system, our perception, will be restored. As fear and hostility-based perceptions are uprooted and the corrupt data behind them is removed, that is forgiven, then pain, regrets, and disturbances disappear. Our natural state of serenity is restored. Once healing occurs, all else in the mind falls into place. So people start to use these tools and they're like, well, this is impossible. How can I ever change this? And as they begin to apply it, those moments of serenity become deeper and deeper. And those moments of physiological peace become more prevalent. You know, since we're all once children, healthy or healed relationships with our fathers and mothers literally are vital to our well-being. Psychologists have identified a dynamic they call the father effect, which of course could be as easily called the mother effect. And and why we're we're point why I'm pointing this out is because it's all based in perception. So what they've shown in this research is that sons with a good relationship with their fathers tend to handle stress more effectively. Daughters have a healthy relationship with their fathers, have a higher sense of self esteem and make better relationship choices. Children with healthy father relationships 
have 40% of the suspension or expulsion rates from school and are twice as likely to go to college and find stable employment after high school. These are just like hard statistics. If you haven't healed what's in your mind from traumas experienced or perhaps repeated in a relationship with parents, then those traumas will tend to go on being repeated in, in every aspect of life. Research tells us that kids involved with, with, with involved fathers have 25% of the teen pregnancy and 20% of the incarceration rate of single-parent homes. There's a simple practice with which to gently begin the healing of inherited generational deficiencies or unconscious dynamics in the mind with regard to parents. As often as necessary, and until achieved with great enthusiasm and sincerity, each day, whether your parents are in their bodies or not, alive or dead, wish both of your parents a sweet and awesome day, especially if you experience trauma in relationship to them. And then, having done that on a regular basis, follow up with action toward them, action that's based in love. And when you do that, this action energetically, you know, remember that the mind works through resonance, law of energy exchange. So if I'm in an interaction with a parent where I have trauma, I'm likely going to perceive them through my unresolved trauma. And this especially applies in intimate relationships. By taking that action of behavior based in love toward them, energetically that active presence of love passes through and delivers healing to the underlying structures of my own body, my own mind, my own nervous system. And when they said, honor thy father and thy mother, that wasn't some kind of a religious dictate. It was a mechanism for, especially if there was trauma in that parental relationship, it was a mechanism for healing what's left over within one's own nervous system from those trauma-based interactions. So the person who had a traumatic relationship with it's been unresolved, when they focus on that parent, and, and the more traumatic the relationship is, the, or was, the more important it is to do this, to simply work toward perceiving them through the active presence of love. Once you understand the internal nature of healing trauma and aligning the mind with systems that are intrinsic for its proper operation, healing parental dynamics becomes an obvious major key to living a truly full life. This is especially true where there was an absent alcoholic or abusive parent. This is how one reinvents themselves and is inoculated against both receiving and passing on generational pain and behavior. If you go to our YouTube channel, you'll see a Father's Day service that I did last year. 
and we go into more succinctly the reason why that command to honor father and mother and parents and recognize that honor means to take behavior toward that parent that's based in love into action toward them. Live in anger, fear, and upset around parents, unresolved trauma around parents, and lead a totally sane life. And that simple practice of each day, just wishing them a sweet and awesome day, truly. And and if you can't find the sweetness to do that, it's because there isn't the sweetness there within your own structure to provide you with that perception your perception will be a reflection of the content of your mind. And if you're, when you think about parents, there is some sort of trauma within the content of your mind, then you know you've got work to do. Yes, you know, maybe your parents were way off base and they have work to do too. But strictly speaking, their work is none of your business. Your work is, where is the situation that I can't bring love forward from within me? And that situation is exactly where my forgiveness work is. And as you go through that, as you apply the tools, especially in that parental relationship, that's where the process of inner healing is completed. So if you've ever asked yourself the question, why is this happening to me again? Do you have conflicts in your relationships you want to resolve? If you're ready to dig in and do some real work, as you gain a depth of understanding and experience of first century Aramaic forgiveness, this technology is the most profound thing that has ever shown up on planet Earth. Again, if you go to our YouTube channel, there are several videos there that will walk you through the process. One is a three-hour recording of why is this happening to me again. And that will walk you through the whole process of first century Aramaic forgiveness. 24-minute PowerPoint. On the technical understanding, if you go to the YouTube channel, and to get to our YouTube channel, you just go to YouTube, type in Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-Y-C-E, or you can go to our website, whyagain.org, and on the right-hand side, you'll see the social media links. Click on YouTube, and just put in the word PowerPoint. Thank you to Bill Costantino. Bill is a, a gentleman who's a corporate trainer. He came and did our teacher's training several years ago and really wanted to get the understanding of this first century Aramaic forgiveness process down pat. And being good at creating PowerPoints, he, he and I interacted for about a year on refining these principles, and he created a PowerPoint that diagrams out exactly how and why the forgiveness process works. So that's also on our YouTube channel. A live 
video recording of a session where we did a worksheet step-by-step -step, here's how forgiveness works process on our YouTube channel and as you engage in this process of forgiveness much confusion will tend to come up in the mind and that's a desirable thing because confusion is one of the stages one of the very important stages of healing if I think I know the truth this problem that's going on inside of me the reason I'm in pain is all because of Bill then the truth is I don't have a clue about why I'm in pain and as I apply forgiveness I'll begin undoing those dynamics and of course the reason for this show the reason we're here five days a week having this conversation is to answer your refined questions there will be many stages of confusion come up and it will take commitment to stay engaged in the forgiveness process you can go to our website whyagain.org and you'll see a picture of my book why is this happening to me again if you click on that you can go in and you can download the book free in any one of I think we're at nine different languages right now and that from another perspective and it's a good complement to the video explains it, it basically it's a, a, a conversation with this imaginary yet very real character is made up of the conversations I have with him are from real healing experiences with people so there's a conversation with this character named Richard and we walk him through the whole forgiveness process so it's a freebie the books out of print so we can't sell you one although uh, you can usually find if you like to have a physical book there are usually lots of used copies on Amazon or on um, eBay so you're welcome to grab that and last but not least you can go to your app store on your phone type in the words heartland h-e-a-r-t-l-a-n-d Aramaic forgiveness and you'll be looking at the world's only forgiveness app it's free totally free and totally private of course this second and fourth Thursday of each month at 3:30 Eastern time you can join us for the hear my voice book club session that we do this particular month we've complete we usually do the second and fourth Thursday but because the facilitator of the hear my voice book club is off uh, this week uh, we won't be doing a session but but the recordings are on our YouTube channel so you can go and give them a listen so there are I don't even know how many dozens of videos that you're welcome to access on our YouTube channel and it's all about creating support for understanding a 13th century Sufi poet Rumi really sums this whole presentation up when he says love is the cure your pain will give birth to more pain until your eyes exhale love as effortlessly as your body yields its scent and so we're here 
to support people through the confusion of the healing process when one starts to directly access pardon me old traumatic energetic patterns and has difficulty kicking out of those patterns and back into a connected state of love we're here to hold space for that and to help to clarify the process we have 12 years I don't know how many thousands of hours in the archives you can go back and give a listen to all of the shows we've done five days a week for the last 12 years and so there are thousands of hours there to support you if you happen to by the way listen to a show where there isn't a descriptor and Jeannie has been working to put descriptors on all of the shows but some of them you know didn't uh, didn't get written up so if you happen to listen to one of those shows it would be really awesome if you would drop Jeannie an email j-e-a-n-i-e at w-h-y again dot org with a brief description of what was in that video and then she'll attach it to that video and and people will be able to search for the um, the through our radio shows and have some knowledge of what's in any particular video or pardon me audio track from from the radio show it's what we're here to do and we hope that this has made sense for you and that the review if it's a review for you has maybe kicked in some new pieces of understanding if it has push one and share it with us and or perhaps has aroused some questions and so our call-in number, if you happen to be on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, our call-in number is 563-999-3581, 563-999-3581. If you call that number, you're listening to the show directly. So if you're on one of those stations where we're syndicated and we can't see you, if you call, you're listening to the show directly and then if you push one that will raise a hand in the control panel and Jeannie will introduce you by your area code so miss Jeannie do we have anybody out there in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room no and that was a an awesome 45 minute intro Michael <laughs> cool yeah. Well, actually, what I've done from the last three days, I've written a course on healing, a, a holistic healing course. And what I've done the last three days is I've gone through that whole body of information. And you can access that on our website. I'm sure that Jeannie's probably already, now that I'm talking about it, putting a link into the notes. You can access that written course with all of the links that I've spoken about and some additional ones that I really didn't bring into the conversation. So I really covered that, uh, that course in, in completion and whole in the last three days. And so you might want to go grab it and allow yourself to review it. It's a, you know, the whole process is one of rebuilding brain cells and, and, and moving into brain cells connected to love as one resolves and removes those connected to any form of hostility or fear which is what corrupts the perceptual mind and leaves us believing that everybody else in the world is the problem 
Again, one of my favorite tongue-in-cheek lines is if you've been through a particular painful reality 87 different times with 42 different people, you're the one that was there every time. It's about you. It's not about them. So it's cleanup time. And we're here to support the cleanup. And every person, you know, everybody wants a magical person who will fix it for them. In fact, there's a whole world of magical thinking in churchianity today in America that this man, Yeshua, is going to fix everything in your life and in your mind for you. Now, that's nothing, that's not consistent with what he said. If you go back 2,000 years ago, you know, they asked him, what do we need to do? And he told them, and, and literally half of his audience turned away. Half of the disciples said, too hard a saying, and left. They weren't willing to do the work that's required. This man, Yeshua, brought a work of recovery of human life. You know, if you listen to many in churchianity circles, as well-intentioned as it is, you'll notice that it's always about how he's going to take care of it for you. And in a sense, because he gave us instructions for how to take care of it, that's true. But if you're one of those people that when you're told there's work to be done, you need to face the traumas that you're carrying around inside of you, and you say too hard a saying, and you want to leave it, then know that when you leave, you get to take all your baggage with you. Our invitation here is for you to open your baggage, to be responsible, to join a community that's about supporting people who want to resolve every untoward energy held within their structures, held within their generational patterns that reflect as problem-based perceptions in their minds. The core of what Yeshua taught was how to collapse this thing called perception and how to rid ourselves of those errant perceptions. Do you have a hand? Well, I, I've got two of them, honey, but, gee, let's talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it's Susan, area code 610. You're on the air. Hi. Yeah, Welcome, That was young a lady. marathon, Michael. Thanks. <clears throat> I have fun doing that. What? Oh, is it say again? I have fun doing marathons. <laughs> it's good you have that capability because you're left high and dry sometimes. And you have to do it every day for an hour or something. It's an amazing thing. So your talk has reminded me of a question I've been meaning to ask for a long time. When Jesus talked the um, Sermon on the Mount, basically he winds it up by saying, be perfect as your Father is in heaven, in heaven is. And yet, in those um, Beatitudes, he says, the Ten Commandments plus a lot of other things, basically, if you, like, for instance, if you look at someone and have a lustful thought in your heart, you're definitely not perfect. You're in bad trouble. But what because for me there's uh, there's no possibility that I'll ever be perfect and I'm wondering what the Aramaic said is it different did did Jesus really say be you perfect you know I don't have 
um, and have or have not looked into the specifics of that passage from that point of view. However, my take would be, you know, if we listen to him, he says, I come to bring you life, life more abundantly, not I come to bring you dogma and doctrine. So he comes to bring support for living as a human being. And when we live as our created essence love, for me, now I'm not coming from the Aramaic here, I'm just saying my construct of that would be when I'm living from active present love and I've rid myself of all trauma within, then I'm going to be in that place that that word perfect would be descriptive of. And it's doing our work that moves us into that perfection. If you look at each of the instructions, the major instruction sets that he gives, like for instance, people tell us there's this thing called the Lord's Prayer. There's no such thing as the Lord's Prayer. That's a fraud. If you look at what they call the Lord's Prayer in the Aramaic language, it's a set of instructions for how to achieve a state of being. If we look at the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes are a set of instructions for how to achieve a state of being. And, you know, when, when we hear him saying, I come to bring you life and bring life more abundantly, the best definition I've been able to come up with for life is that life is love flowing through a cell. And our world clearly, you know, teaches us right out of the chute how to, how to do things that restrict experiencing ourselves and others as that presence of love and our lives as love flowing through our cellular structure. And so when you, you look from that perspective, each of those instruction sets is, is about how to remove the inhibitors that prevent us from experiencing ourselves as active present love so we can step back to that place we were designed to live in, which, again, I think that word perfect, as you're referring to there, would be the descriptor of that state. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, if I remove all hostility and fear and I come back to the experience of myself as active present love, then we're now moving into and living in that perfected state, which is just our natural state. It's the way we came out of the womb. It's the way we're designed to live. And, and it's like we live in a culture that specialty is to knock the awareness of ourselves as love out of us and then send us out to find somebody to love or to find somebody to love yeah. us as though it's something we could get mm -hmm. from someone else rather than coming back inside ourselves and doing the work of perfecting the state of being that we started out in and was polluted by these generational patterns and the, the well, what the ancient scriptures talk about as the mind of man. Which leads me to another question. That's good. I heard that. Um, and awesome. this is <laughs> I am listening to an audio book on Audible, and it's beautifully narrated so that I would recommend if you need a break and want to shut your eyes, you could listen. And it's called Jaber Crow, J-A-Y-B-E-R-C-R-O-W, by Wendell Berry, who's a wonderful poet, but he wrote this book. The reason I'm bringing it up here is this is about a young man who lost his parents, his very loving parents, 
very, very early and was on his own. But because he was well-loved and cared for and nurtured, the way you do Arya Rain, he was equipped to go out into the world with nothing and trust his life, trust his situation, trust other people, point where he could really let God or whatever it is guide him. And I'm not even, I don't know if I'm halfway through, but my question out of all this is, he may have generational trauma, but he doesn't have immediate power trauma, by the way. Right. And, of course, this is a no- novel. So here you've got a guy who is, in some ways, he came into the world as love, retained the as loveness, and then power person people, if they were going to click into any of that, were gone. So whatever trauma he would have would have been just from generational trauma. Um, And maybe, of course, the trauma of losing his parents. But... um, he seems much more of a if, if that, and it's if that of, needs to if that needs to be experienced well, as a trauma if it needs to be absolutely there's, and there's a presumption that as, losing parents quote yeah. unquote losing parents one there's a presumption that that it because parents leave their bodies that they've been lost and two that that has yeah. to be a trauma and my offering is both things are false but they are definitely perceptual constructs of our minds but there's another experience available to us when we can delete those things well it and it doesn't feel in this book as if he did experience them as a profound trauma. It was certainly a surprise and a change. Mm -hmm. But he was put in with an aunt, the only aunt that was around who happened to have been childless and was just so loving and so happy to have a son for a while. And he probably was seven or eight or maybe ten when this happened. But um, just as a, I'm recommending it because it's sheer beauty. It's I see it. I'm I'm looking at it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And um, it gives you a vision of living as a human being, (laughs) having a human life. And, of course, the love in him, which my daughter says, Mom, you just wait. The love in him kindles the love in other people to the point where it's just so gorgeous, but I'm not even far enough to... Yeah, it's contagious, and that is certainly true. And, of course, that leads me to other questions. For instance, simply my experience lately of practicing this um, gentle art of blessing has That was the first thing that came to mind when you you spoke of this book. It sounds like he's in concert with the gentleman who wrote The Gentle Art of Blessing. It is. It's amazing. And but he 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 thought he might be called. He was brought up after his aunt died. He went into an orphanage, which was run by a Christian. And boy, talk about a way to turn a kid away from religion. He decided he didn't have a calling because he had too many questions. And his questions are gorgeous, and you'll love those too. But um, I've noticed just in my own own life that I I feel like a walking fenelon. I see the the dark stuff boiling out all over the place. And if I can, I told you yesterday or the day before or whatever, that it's hard work sometimes. It doesn't feel natural. 
but it's a practice, and I'm doing it, and I can feel shifts as I do it. Sometimes the shifts are pretty small, and there's residual stuff, and I'm dealing, you know, it. I, I just hope this is part of the healing process. I guess that's my question. Is, is this normal? You're right on track. Good, okay. It, it's normal that whatever generationally is stored within your structure that's unlike the active presence of love. When an opening where love is present happens, that those things are going to surface and you're going to move through them. You're going to process through them. And I will uh, I will definitely grab that book and give it a listen. It sounds like it would be a sweet meditation. There's also mm. another movie out there, and I'm not sure where it's available at this moment, uh, but it, it was interesting. This goes back, I'm not even sure how many years ago, probably 14, 15 years ago. You might remember there's a movie called 300. Pretty brutal, I don't remember. violent, well, really? pretty heavy-duty. And it, it was a movie Jeannie and I chose to go and see. We were in Tampa, and I remember we were in Tampa because we ended up, you know, that's our, our entertainment when we're traveling. We ended up doing a double header, and we watched 300, which is absolutely brutal. And then we went to the um, IMAX theater in Tampa where they project up on the ceiling. That's the screen. And there's a movie called Mystic India. And it's essentially the story you're talking about with this young man, This, and it's a true story based on an Indian mystic from back in the, I forget exactly, 16, 1700s. And as a child, he knew why he was here. I think if I remember correctly, he's maybe 12 or 13 when he knows what he's here for and his family tries to hold on to him. He's 11. Okay. He actually, there's a, a raging river right near his house, and in order to escape his family to go and do his destiny, he goes and jumps in the river so they can't follow him. And wow. he spends the next 18 years traveling India teaching who we are as wow. human beings. Mm. I think about it, and it just like resonates such uh, an energy for me. In fact, mm. you've, you've just helped me to realize we're going to go back and watch it again because it's just so powerful that this kid literally, I mean, historically, he's an historical figure, and this is what he did, and he traveled India teaching wow. humans how to be human. <laughs> um. so, so joining you in that well. project of healing. Okay, it's 2 o'clock, too. I was going to ask something else, but I won't. Thank you very much. Well, let's much. hold that one for Monday. Let's oh, it hold might that be gone by then, but I'll try to hang on to it. Okay. Well, you know, the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. I know. I think I've already forgotten, though. That's the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dear heart, we appreciate you. Everybody have a blessed right. one. Thanks for joining us.